0: Crying is very, very healthy and good for us. We are vulnerable and real and authentic is when we form real lasting connections. So crying is a signal. We have to do something to calm the baby down or calm the child. Tears are literally biologically, neurologically, the way that our body releases chemicals that actually are really, really good for us different reasons why we cry but they all have one common theme we cry when it's important
1: greetings everyone welcome to an streams i am prisha Sindhwani, here with another episode of our podcast series mental health matters with dr aisha suneja Dr. Aisha Suneja has an experience of 15 years as an integrative psychologist in the United States. She has worked with adolescents, adults, couples, and families presenting with various issues, including depression, anxiety, alcohol, drug addiction, and post-traumatic stress disorder. Her areas of focus include facilitating psychoeducational groups, teaching mindfulness and meditation, acceptance and commitment therapy, and transpersonal healing. Welcome to Non-Streams, ma'am. I feel obliged to have this opportunity to speak with you again.
0: Hi, Prisha. It's so wonderful to be here. Thanks so much for having me.
1: How do you feel today, ma'am?
0: I'm feeling really good. I'm really excited about our topic. You will always find topics that I think are so necessary and yet not talked about. So I think this is going to be a really exciting one. So yeah, I'm feeling good.
1: How about you? How are you doing? I'm very excited for this one. This topic is very close to me. Oh, wonderful. So here's our topic of discussion today is our very first action as humans, our sign of being alive, crying. There's a quote from a very famous classic that says, crying does not indicate that you're weak. Since birth, it has always been a sign that you are alive. Then ma'am, why as we grow and in fact face tougher hurdles, do we keep trying to not
0: cry? Yeah such a great question right because like you said it is a sign that we're alive and i think that's the most important thing crying is a signal so it's so good for us to know more about ourselves i think we're on this we're on these topics all the time about self discovery and yet when it comes to crying that's the one thing that we will constantly for the majority of people we will consistently try to push down repress try not to cry, you know, tell others not to cry, or even when they are crying, try to stop the process of crying. And if you think about like, why do we do that? Well, I think one reason is, is that socially it's just become a norm where we start to identify crying with weakness. We start to identify crying with vulnerability, and we have learned to create this armor of safety, that if we can just put ourselves together and look like we're okay, then people will be more accepting and loving of us. When actually the opposite is true, it is when we are vulnerable and real and authentic is when we form real lasting connections. So the first thing we want to look at is what what are we being told about crying? Where did we get this cultural idea? Did it come from our parents? Did it come from society? Did it come from relationships and partners? Did it come from someone shaming us? Um, and maybe you know, Prisha, you know, I could ask you that question. What was crying like for you growing up? Did you receive any kind of messages about it? Usually, it's not direct; it's implicit. And what I mean by that is maybe you, you know, maybe you did or did not. Um, see people in your family crying and if you did then how was it received were people told hey we don't do that or you know you should calm down Um, that's you know you're just too emotional you're too sensitive Uh, these are all these implicit messages we get so what was the role of crying in your family
1: one thing that i've observed is that uh, whenever someone young is crying they are told be strong don't cry you got this be strong so crying is not a weakness, I guess. And um, not very often, but I have seen my parents cry and it's okay.
0: Yeah. So I'm glad. So that's the number one thing is we want to make sure that we have role models that have shown us that they can be real and vulnerable and cry. But the, the other point that you said is so true. Don't cry, be strong. So they're not saying that you're weak, but I'll, you know, they are saying be strong. So that basically means crying is a weakness. And I think it's important for us to understand where did they get that message from? Where did your parents learn, you know, or learn to teach uh, small kids when you guys were younger that, hey, be strong, don't cry? And it could be that they got that message from their parents or their grandparents or from their culture. And we were continuing this pattern. And I think now we're starting to actually research crying, what's in tears, why do we cry, what are the benefits, and the fact that you're bringing this topic to awareness, I think we're going to start to break that generational misconception about crying.
1: just in the small things we do that we don't realize something's going wrong. Yeah, absolutely. I have this short poetry that I wrote in my book again, Uh, um, It goes like, the older you get, the less you cry. Running away from situations, bottling up emotions, you try to hide your pain. But then one day, the dam breaks and it all goes in vain. Mm-hmm. As children, we cry. But as we grow up, we, be- we begin to have breakdowns. We keep on bottling up emotions. And then when the cloud is too heavy to be carried, it just bursts. How does this shift from crying to breakdown happen?
0: Yeah, so you said it, I think, really beautifully, that we continue to repress or push things down. So crying is so many different things. One, it is an indication that something is going on, like I was saying earlier, it's a signal, not just to you, but it's also a signal to others, because the signal actually activates compassion and empathy so if there's somebody around you that's crying immediately you will start like leaning into that person and you will say things like what's wrong are you okay you might offer support or compassion you might offer a hug so crying is a really good signal not just to us that something is going on but it's a good signal socially that we can offer compassion and empathy to others very natural and normal process it's innate it is normal But as we get older and we get these messages from society or even parents where it's like you said earlier, be strong, don't cry, we start to repress all our emotions. And the more we repress emotions, the more that we're repressing even thoughts and emotions, it's like they keep building and building and building. And we have a pressure valve, right? There's a valve, which means that if we release that valve, some of that tension, some of that heaviness, some of that pain that's been accumulating, it can actually be released. And here's what the release is, tears. Tears is the release of the pressure. So imagine you had a a big Coke bottle, right? And you shake it. That's a... Imagine that shaking it is an event, something sad happened in your life. Then you shake it again, something you know that was not appropriate that you may have hurt you happened. Now shake that bottle again and again and again and again throughout your life. And now imagine you never, ever open that the bottle. You never take the cap off. And then one day after it's been shook 10, 20, 50, 100 times, you open the bottle, what's going to happen? It's all going to come flying out. So this is the pressure valve we're talking about. Tears are literally biologically, neurologically, the way that our body releases chemicals that actually are really, really good for us. These chemicals are uh, oxytocin. So we release oxytocin when we cry and that's a bonding chemical. That's, you know, we release, women release oxytocin during labor. That's how we bond with our babies. Uh, We release oxytocin when we're intimate. That's how we bond relationships with people that we love. So imagine even in tears, we're releasing oxytocin. So this whole idea of pushing your feelings down, pushing your thoughts down, Thinking that they're going to go away, it doesn't work. They just build. And if there's no release of the pressure, they're going to actually create ailments in the body. So crying is very, very healthy and good for us.
1: I've somehow learned the importance of crying today. (laughs) So we are taught to look at the bright side of life, to notice the positives and be happy. But we aren't told to weep and to let all... uh, salts of pain exit our body. Why are we never taught the importance of crying? Like you you just told me, but
0: I think we just don't uh, really understand the benefits. And like I said, it's a very new form of research. There's not a lot of research on crying until very recently. And now there's so much good research on it. So, why we don't cry? I'll give you my own example. Um, when I was younger, and if I started crying, my mom would immediately, the signal was, ki usko chup So crying meant something is wrong, something is out of control, and at all costs, we need to stop it. Now, as a mother, she may have felt like she's out of control. You know, we have to do something to calm the baby down or calm the child down. So it it provides a lot, it provides a lot of, or perhaps it produces a lot of anxiety or guilt or shame in the person that's witnessing the crying. So my mother would come immediately with like a glass of water, chopo jo, jo, and she'd make me drink the water. She'd give me some, like she'd hug me. And a lot of times I really needed to cry, but I couldn't. Now, why didn't I cry? Because if I cried, it would make her feel bad. Because she would feel bad, I would feel guilty. So I would keep the tears down. And in fact, I don't know if I ever shared this with you, but when I first started doing my my sort of first started doing therapy, my very first client was a man. And during the session, he started to cry. And I immediately felt anxiety. So think about it this way, it's, it's my anxiety that he's crying, he's hurt, he's upset. And my conditioning was, stop it, stop the crying. So I offered him tissues, I offered him like some tissues, so he could wipe his tears. And then later, I told my supervisor, because like, I was, you know, under supervision, I was being trained. And I told her that he started to cry, I gave him tissues. And I'll never forget what she said. She said, you know, that may have been the only time that this man felt safe to cry and you stopped the process. So we don't even realize, sometimes we think we're doing something good by stopping people or offering compassion, but we really have to check in, are we helping them or are we unable to manage our own anxiety? So now, if somebody's crying, whether it be a client, whether it be my daughter, whether it be a friend, my husband, anyone that's crying, I will always check in with myself and say, My job is to manage my, my own anxiety, my own need to stop it, and realize this is good for them. This is healthy and appropriate. And I, I'm there, I will sit with them. I might even cry with them. I might tear up because we have mirror neurons. So I'll feel their tears. Even with clients, I'll feel it. And I might tear up with them, but I won't stop them. It's a process. And I will really allow them to feel it because we know that at the end of crying, if we really, really allow ourselves to cry, we almost always feel better. We feel lighter That pressure valve opens, we release the tears, we release the good feeling, you know, chemicals. Um, And so it's, it's got so many health benefits that we really want to re like examine and educate people and say, if your child is crying, it's a, it's a health benefit for them. Don't stop them, just be with them and allow them to continue the process.
1: Uh, you said that uh, when yeah. we see somebody cry, we feel the anxiety. So I know I have felt like when a friend would be crying and feel guilty to not be able to calm them down. But then in the back of the head, I would know that it's hota. I have heard my father say, Ki koi lene do chup ho jayegi, apne ap ho jayega. Beautiful. It, it, it's like uh, what you said, what I infer is that uh, like we laugh with friends, we can also cry with them. You can yeah. always cry with a companion.
0: Yes, I love that idea. And I love that your papa was so wise that he knew that innately. And he said, and I love what he said, meaning everybody is different. Everyone's capacity is different. Everyone, how long they need to cry is different. There's no rule how much and when and when and how. It is, you'll know what how much you've been holding on. You'll know when that is emptied you'll know when you're feeling like, okay, now I'm settled. And in fact, the, the the people that we can learn from the most are children. Because children, if we leave them, they will cry. And when all of that is released, they will come back to normal and they will say, okay, I'm okay. You know, they're very good at, at regulating. The problem is that we tell them, we abruptly tell them to stop crying before they're done. And that's where the pushback comes from.
1: So, me being the curious or metaphors poet I am, I was wondering if you can call crying the way to cleanse our mental health, like urinating is the biological means of excreting out waste.
0: Oh my goodness, I thought that was brilliant. Absolutely, in fact, it is, it is a way of cleansing. You know, we have different kinds of tears, right? We have the normal tears that just kind of keep our eyes moist and make sure that our eyes are always lubricated. We have tears that are, irritant, you know, irritant tears, like when we're cutting onions or when we get something in our eye, tears are a way of us to release some of those irritants. And then we have that emotional crying. And that emotional crying is actually the crying that like i said releases so many good um feeling uh hormones and um we just the way like you said just the way the body knows innately how to let go and reduce tension or stress by urinating or by releasing anything else the same way the tears when they leave our body they actually do release and they help us be a lot more. They help us to actually think better. Because if you think about what happens before you cry, usually your mind is very active. Emotions are very heightened. We're pushing things down. So people will say, don't cry, don't cry. But here is what the research shows us. After we cry, the, the, the ability to think more rationally and logically heightens. So we think better. We make better decisions we're able to be more at an equilibrium with our bodies. Our body is always trying to get to a balanced state. And when we don't cry, we're preventing it from coming to some form of an equilibrium or balance. So after the cry, our emotions are more balanced. After the cry, our thoughts are more coherent. We can think better. We can make better decisions. So that release creates so many health, benefits, neurological benefits, and emotional benefits. So,
1: uh, before we cry, it's just a commotion, and then as we cry, we calm down.
0: Exactly, after we cry, we calm down. And I think a lot of times people are afraid to cry because it is a, a painful process. Sometimes crying can be painful, you know, sometimes the grief can be very painful, but it is still better Than pushing it down because when we don't feel what we're feeling, it will show up at a very inopportune time. You know, if we don't cry because of a grief or a loss during the time, it might show up in the middle of work. It might show up in the middle of a relationship. It might show up in the middle of an event that you did not want to cry. We've all had that experience. Now, why does it show up at an inopportune time? Because we didn't actually deal with it when, when something happened.
1: And been bottling up. I've been bottling up, yeah. Uh, so how do we humans have such different patterns of crying? Like the first time I had a discussion of on the topic of crying, it was a couple of years ago with my pen pal. And if I had to compare how often the two of us would cry, I'd say she cried every once once every week, while I'd usually have a tough time crying once in a fortnight. So how are these patterns so different?
0: Absolutely. So, you know, here's the thing. When we first started studying even psychology, everything was behavioral, meaning that we thought that we could really understand people based on their behaviors, meaning that if I gave you a reward, then you would behave a certain way. And if I gave you a punishment, you would hopefully extinct that behavior. And and that's how we treated people, right? When you went to school, when you did well, you got a star or you got a good grade or you got some reward. And then if you didn't do well, something was taken away from you, usually at school at home. And we thought that is how we can determine people's behavior. But there was a big problem with that. People think differently. So what would work for you may not work for me. And so we started saying, well, behavior isn't a really, it sounds scientific, but it's not the way to really understand people. Because let's just say, you know, God forbid, you and I were in a car and something happened to the car and we were ended up, you know, in in, in a place where we were not doing well. We had the same car accident we had the same problems let's say physically and let's say we were related let's say that we had the same genetic makeup we had the same we were raised by the same parents so we had the same conditioning and i imagine people out there who have siblings they know this because you know you can have two children that have the same biology the same genes the same conditioning the same parents everything and yet their experience of childhood could be completely different right so let's say we're both there and let's say i say because of the accident i say my life is over this is terrible i can't do this anymore i i have no more hope my life is never going to be the same i'm I fall into depression and the same situation happens and you say oh my goodness i almost lost my life this is such a motivating day for me i'm going to do everything. That I want to do in this life I'm going to help people I'm going to be of service I'm going to love the people that are close to me I'm going to tell everyone I love them that and you have no how did we have the same experience and two completely different outcomes so we left behavior and we went to cognitive right so cognitive the idea is we all have different ways of thinking we could have the same experience and have two very different ways of thinking So what you've experienced, what your friend experienced, how much she was allowed to either cry, to not feel shame for crying, to not feel like she was reprimanded for crying, her own level of perfectionism, her own standards of what's appropriate, what's not, all of that is going to come into play she might think, oh, she doesn't have enough emotional regulation that, you know, I cry because I can't control my crying. You might pride yourself and say, I can control my crying. I've worked on my emotions. Uh, You know, I was allowed to cry as a child. So I I don't either have that much buildup of emotions. I deal with them as they come. Or you could say a lot of people I hear saying, I can't access my emotions. I can't get to crying. I, I want to cry, I hear hear men say that all the time. I want to cry, I know I'll feel better, but I just can't do it. And so we have all these different ways, like everybody is on a spectrum of what they've experienced in life. Crying means different things to different people. See, people cry when they're sad. People cry when they're angry. People cry when they're uh, happy. People cry, you know, like I've, you know, a lot of women, we cry during childbirth. We cry when we see the baby. I know dads cry when they see the baby. People cry at their wedding. You know, some people cry because of the grief. Some people cry because of the excitement of the wedding. So there's a million different reasons why we cry, but they all have one common theme. We cry when it's important. So you'll notice that it's never something insignificant that you'll cry about whether it's good whether it's happy or sad that's not the issue the issue is was it important was whatever happened was that important to you and that's what really produces or creates tears but people have different levels of empathy so you know you'll notice like you know, sometimes you'll even notice men, men don't cry as much as women do. And the reason is because they have different hormones. They have higher levels of testosterone. So higher levels of testosterone actually don't allow them to cry as much as we do. So we have more access to crying than they do. And here's another interesting fact. When women cry, we have a chemical in our tears that reduces testosterone levels in men. So, if you're ever in the middle of an argument and you are arguing with a man, or it could be your father, it could be a partner, it could be anybody, you're arguing, you're both arguing. Well, if you start to cry, usually the man will be like, oh, 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 it's okay, it's okay. They will go from aggressive to actually more compassionate and more empathic and kinder because our chemicals and our tears reduce their testosterone levels. So of course, they don't know that's what's happening, but we'll start seeing it that when we cry, we have this magic power. When we cry, men are become nicer.
1: So that uh, crying comparison between men and women was actually what my next question was. Uh, it is said that a woman wears her tears like a jewelry, but what do you think is the societal pressure? The only reason we don't see men crying as commonly uh-huh. as we see the women. I mean, it's kind of hard to believe that men all around us are such great actors that they manage to bluff out their emotions or hide their emotions.
0: Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I think you're right on the on one side because men culturally, uh, you know, they'll hear things like this, um, don't cry like a girl. And so automatically being a girl then becomes derogatory, right? So we have to be very careful what we tell our children. You know, don't cry like a girl. Don't, don't, don't act like a girl. You know, girls are not less than because they cry. They're actually a lot more courageous because they cry. And I think men are now learning the power of vulnerability and how much they want connection. And so for them, what I do hear from men is this two things. I had to turn my emotions off. And that could be societal pressure, it could be parents, it could be school, Um, you know, I work with people with PTSD, so if a man goes into the military, uh, tears are not going to help him in the military, he has to do things that require a lot of strength and fortitude and resilience, so he might turn his emotions off. But then when he comes back home to his family, his emotions are blunted. He can't feel. So if he can't feel because he had to turn them off, then how does he connect with his partner, with his children, with his parents? And a lot of times his family will complain and say, we don't feel that you're connected to us. And then he's like, I don't know how to turn my emotions on. One big thing with men is they have been pushing, and I'm not saying all men, I don't want to generalize, but some men have been pushing their emotions down for so long that the fear is, if I open this door, like you said, the floodgates or the dam will break and there will be so many emotions that I will drown in them. Um, the other thing that men will say is, if I cry, my wife or my children, they are the first ones to condemn me because they need me to be strong. They need me to be the leader. They need me to like, be there for them and not have my own emotions. So I think what we really have to work on moving forward is saying tears are not based on gender. Gender is just a cultural norm. Tears are based on our humanity, who we are as humans, and it's a natural, normal, and really positive way to feel our feelings, connect with others, and lessen disease in the body by addressing issues that come up when they happen and not push them down. But have you had an experience that you find that men and women have different experiences of crying?
1: I can't think of one, but uh, I go back and I'm crying, but my brother comparatively cries less than what uh, me. So if we are fighting then I'll go back and cry. But he wouldn't cry until Uski fight So his point breaks when he's fighting with Munra Papa.
0: Okay, got it. But you know, maybe I don't know for about your brother, but for a lot of men, their go to emotion is anger.
1: Yes, I've okay. seen that
0: so anger is a secondary emotion it protects us but if you ever ask him what is underneath the anger those are the primary soft vulnerable emotions sadness shame fear uh you know rejection uh unworthiness that that's where we want to go we want to go behind the anger and say i know you're angry but underneath the anger what are you feeling there and once they get any of those primary emotions, the tears come.
1: So my last question would be uh, about the importance of tears. Uh, I believe our eyes needs to need to be washed by our tears once in a while, so that we can see life with a clearer view again. Uh, according to what you have talked right now, I believe that's true. So what do you what, what would you like to say about that?
0: I love your perspective on crying. I think it's very refreshing. It's liberating. It you know, there's a saying that hurt people hurt other people, right? So we know this, hurt people hurt people. But there's another saying that free people, free people. So if you are brave enough to talk about crying this way, to the and and to included in your poetry, because I think a lot of time artists, right? Where do we really feel emotions with music, with poetry, with with writing? So it's the artists that are actually inspiring us and motivating us to feel our emotions. In fact, I'll tell clients all the time, if you're having a hard time crying, listen to a song. They're They're meant to bring up emotion. Watch a movie that's meant to bring up emotion. So I think you're very brave, And you're probably on the forefront of this new kind of way of being. Um, And it's probably because you're an artist, it's because you're a poet. So you feel things very deeply. And I think you're very courageous and fearless when it comes to crying. So I think it's a very, very positive message for for people to hear.
1: Thank you so much, Pham. Thank you for enlightening me on this one topic that I really find interesting. This was very fun for me and thank you for sharing with us your knowledge it was an honor to have you with us before we sign off would you like to add any closing remarks for our listeners
0: well yeah i think i just want to say thank you i love the topic i like i said you're always coming with some really important topics that are are so vital for the you know for for our listeners but i love that you bring your own experience into it i love that you bring your poetry into it so just keep doing that and inspiring others to feel their emotions. I'm just so grateful to be here. Thank you.
1: And with that, listeners, we come to an end. Thank you for tuning in. If you liked the podcast and are interested in similar topics, do consider following a global foundation on all social media platforms. We'll be back with another podcast very soon. Until then, stay safe, stay tuned.